On today's episode, we've got Brandon Young, who's gonna talk about a wide variety of topics ranging from PPC strategy, listing optimization, keyword research, product research, running an office in China, and even how in the last year he spent over a half a million dollars investing in sports cards. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show. That's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. We've got a super, super serious seller here with us today. Brandon Young is back on the show. Brandon, how's it going? Dude, it's been a while, man. How you been? Pretty good, pretty good. Are you still in, are you in Miami or Orlando? Yeah, Miami. Miami. Okay, cool. I'm actually going to be there um day after tomorrow. So we might have to link up. I Dude, haven't even announced that because off, uh, let's do it. Yeah, like there's a bunch of people in Miami right now and and I was going to surprise them. Uh, I'm going to Orlando tomorrow. But anyways, yeah. I mean, I love that finally the world is getting to a place where we can start doing these uh networking things uh again um in person, you Me know. Me too. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. I, I missed it so much. Yep, yep. Now you were back on the podcast before. So guys, you can go, uh, go back and search at helium10.com forward slash podcast for Brandon Young and check out his first episode. But just for the people who might not uh, have been able to find that episode, how about it just like cre- uh, a quick, like, you know, two, three minute recap of, you know, like where you're from and how you got started on Amazon. So my wife and I started selling a uh, private label about five years ago. We started selling on Amazon six years ago. Uh, we started with wholesale, liquidation, arbitrage, you know, the usual. And she's from China, so we decided that we had an advantage to potentially do private labels. So we jumped on a plane, went to Canton Fair, um, really knew nothing, <laughs> listened to some podcasts, uh, and launched our first products. Uh, I guess that was April, May, June of 2016. So, yeah, almost uh, five years now. Okay, cool, cool. And... um are you strictly, have you been strictly lately than the private label as opposed to, you know, any wholesale or other things? Yeah, we're a hundred percent private label now. Uh, we've, we're down, we have six active brands, a few, a few active accounts. Um, we'll, we'll do about 15 million this year, uh, on target next year is 25 million. Um, and then three years ago we, you know, started teaching, like we had a bunch of friends and family that saw that we were doing well. At that time, we were making a few million dollars uh, in revenue, you know, probably not clearing a million dollars profit, but we were doing really well. And so I started teaching like a small masterclass on how we do our product selection. And then uh, I did a few more of those. And then eventually I started doing more content for, you know, how we look at data. Uh, Helium 10 Cerebro came out and it made it so much easier. (laughs) So we started using that. Um, We still take the data, manipulate it a little bit to, figure out our own relevancy score, optimize. And yeah, so it turned into a full course. And now, you know, I'm the CEO of the coaching business. My wife is the CEO of the brand's business. Um, we still work within each other's businesses and help each other out quite a bit. But uh, it's been having a team really helps. It's been been a phenomenal journey. Okay, cool. You know, like we're definitely going to, uh, one thing I had in mind, you know, I don't really plan these out. But one thing I just said to myself is like, you know what, you know, there's certain people in the world, uh, uh, be it uh, Tim Jordan, uh, you know, Tomer, 
Rabinovich, and then Brandon, you're right up there who like are kind of have a reputation of advanced helium 10 use, you know, like every, you know, people of all levels can use helium 10, you know, obviously we've got billion dollar brands like, like Lego using helium 10. We got uh, somebody who's just trying to learn how to sell on Amazon using the same helium 10 that everybody else does. But then there's a lot of people, there's some people, or not a lot, but there's some people out there who have a lot of kind of like unique strategies, you know, and, and things that they're doing with helium 10 that other people might not have ever thought about. And we're definitely, uh, I definitely want to talk about some of those with you, but before before there, you know, some other things that kind of stick out in my memory, if I'm not mistaken, you actually have have some boots on the ground uh, in China. Like, do you actually have a physical office or just employees, both, or what's going on over there? Yeah, so we have a physical office. We've had a physical office there for almost two years. Um, we, a little over two years, we started in Shenzhen, and then uh, last year we moved it to, uh, you know, Guangzhou. So we're actually in the same city that the Canton Fair is in. Uh, my wife's family uh, is based out of Guangzhou, and uh, her cousin is one of our main operators there. And so he's a college grad, does really well, came from a management position, is a good operator. And we've built up, uh, we've got 20 employees now. Okay, so what was the initial, you know, thought process as to starting that? You know, obviously you, you've been, you know, you've been probably sourcing from from the Guangzhou and Shenzhen area since you started in 2016. Was it a matter of, Hey, it would be, it, it's, it's a, it's a lot better to, to have some boots on the ground here in close proximity to the factories to do some inspections and to just like coordinate things. Or what was the, the trigger that said, you know what, we need to do this. Yeah, it was all of that. It was basically, uh, being able to connect and be closer to the factories, um, product development, logistics, uh, being able to handle that aspect of it. It's grown since then. I think that my team in China handles the majority of our product management. So everything from optimization to uh, PPC uh, and uh, product growth. Um, and they do pretty much everything except for the content writing. They do the con we have we have three uh, photographers and videographers on staff, but we we do all of the writing here and we do all of the uh, launches from here. So the marketing. OK, well, what was the start? I mean, obviously, you didn't start from day one with 20 employees and and all of those different positions, but like how many did you start with and what were their roles in the beginning? Yeah, it started really with just um, her cousin. Um, and we started with him to help us go visit some factories, uh, mm -hmm. you know, make sure that uh, we were doing the right thing with product development. We met him over there. He went with, uh, we, we do a lot of toys. So we would go to Chanteau, which is a phenomenal city for toys. There's over 10,000 toy factories in this one city and they have showrooms which are so much fun. Basically, it's like going into Target and you walk down these aisles with all of these toys on the shelves and hanging on the walls. And one section is like an entire factory, just one factory and a bunch of their SKUs. And mm -hmm. you have someone following you around that uh, you point out a product, they'll scan it for you. And then if you want, they'll put it in a cart. And when the cart's full, they'll bring a new cart. <laughs> and uh, hmm. you walk through like six floors of this, like a massive, massive place. And at the end of it, you go down into your own private room where all these carts are waiting for you and you get to play with all these toys and they give you a printed report of uh, the factory information, the cost of the product, uh, you know, like the MOQ, anything you need to know about the product. And yeah, it's uh, it's phenomenal. So we would go through there. We would spend a week um, and visit several of these showrooms and come out with, you know, 80 to 100 products that we want to launch in the next year. We would just we would just prioritize them. 
And then so having uh, you know a full-time employee there, as soon as you guys got to China and then you know they pick you up and then you can just have a base of operations, I guess, out of your office and things like that uh, probably help then, huh? Yeah, it makes it much easier because uh, the communication with the factories, the uh, we still have a main broker there that assists with some some um, some aspect for us. Like we give them a small percentage, but they they assist with some of the um, inspections and uh, and payment terms and some of the things that they do for us packaging. But then we, um, yeah, everything's shipped to our office now. It's in pretty much the same province. Like it's it's just shipped over to Guangzhou, uh, where our team gets final inspection. It saves so much time on having to worry about getting samples sent to us here um, and back in the, the back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's just we can be we can find an idea and get to market so much faster now. Cool. Uh, the one thing I think that piqued my interest, too, when you were talking about is like the photography. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same thing as the samples. You know, if you're going to do photography, you know, close to home or, or using an American uh, company, you've got to ship all that stuff out here and and hire stuff. And, you know, Helium 10 used to actually have a photography company. and we we, we kind of, you know, shut it down because it's kind of hard to do it in a way that you can actually make money. I mean, when we talk about renting Airbnbs to do your lifestyle imagery and, <laughs> and, and hiring models and, and getting rental, co- I mean, it, it's, it's really expensive to, to try and run an operation like that. So yeah. how, what do they, do they just do like your white background stuff or do they actually go out and hire models sometimes and, and you guys rent places to, to do lifestyle photography or. Yeah. So we, uh, they they do everything start to finish there. We do a lot of our Photoshop. Uh, we we don't do too much with live uh, live models. Like we, it's very rare. Uh, they're just phenomenal at at being able to do Photoshop. So we license images mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll place the products in there. But um, for the most part, yeah, like you're saying, even before we had our in house photographer, we were using a Chinese company to do the photography because the factory could send the products very quickly. While they're in production, they could just pull one off the line, send it to them, get the get the raw photos done from every angle we wanted. Uh, we would send them a shoot list, and then we would send all of the raw photos off to a designer that we had at, that was based out of Ukraine. And we would have all of our content pretty much done before the, the products were even on the water or in the air. That that's That's really cool. Really convenient, saves time, saves money. And both of those are important things in the Amazon world. So that's pretty cool. So like overall, like, let's say, um, you know, if somebody is, is listening to this, they you know, they might not want to start off uh, with, tw- or they might, you know, not think that they're going to need 20 employees for quite a while or something, but just, you know, to, to, to rent a, a small office in, in Guangzhou and, and the, you know, there's obviously different salaries for different positions, you know, but what, what, what can you talk about as far as, you know, rental prices and, and what the general range of salary might be if somebody wanted to to uh, start an operation like you have. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have someone on your team that is Chinese, I wouldn't recommend it. There, there are so many labor laws. Like we have to run it as a third party management company, first of all. Mm-hmm. So it's not even something that, you know, we pay management fees out of our Amazon brand business, like one of our entities here to that company um, to to pay the employees, basically. Uh, and so there are labor laws, uh, and, and it's very difficult. Um, the communication is very difficult. I would say that only a third of my employees probably speak any English. A couple of them are very good. Uh, but it wouldn't be something that I would recommend for someone that doesn't have anyone that's a Chinese speaker to, to look at doing. I think that you can get employees out of, out of the Philippines, um, you know, that are phenomenal, uh, and, and, 
you know, going to be very good for you and communicate much easier. Um, you know, the, some of those advantages you can replace. Like, like I said, you can have a photographer in China and then send your photos to, you know, the raw photos to uh, someone in Ukraine, here in the U.S., whoever you want to use on the design side. But um, hiring a third-party company as far as uh, sourcing logistics, uh, inspections, um, you know, you can find companies that offer those services as well. So, you know, it's an advantage that we have, I think. But um, it, I don't think it's going to be something that's easily replicatable or that I would recommend to someone that doesn't speak Chinese. Okay. But it, just in general, I'm just curious because I know, you know, 20 years ago, I was looking into manufacturing some stuff and, and you know, labor was, was nothing and, and humongous oh, yeah. factories was, or, and, and uh, office space was nothing. But I know times have changed. So, like, we talking, you know, injured, like 25% of, of what we would pay in the United States, 50%, 75%. Yeah. As yeah, far as so, rental I mean, and salary goes, it's interesting. Yeah, we're we're paying anywhere from I guess it works out to be anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars a month. We have people that are closer to a thousand, and this is U.S. Mm -hmm. um, people that are closer to two thousand plus bonuses for everyone. We're very generous wow. on the bonuses side, and we use a a, a pretty good incentive system uh, for compensation with regards to hitting different um, KPIs or you know we call them HOTS and and uh, we use, we use like a four disciplines of execution type model. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're trying to run the company where we have objectives and key results are driven, you know, help them drive the, the pull the levers to, to influence that objective. And if they hit those goals on a regular basis, then, um, then they can get some nice bonuses. But yeah, it's, it's not that much cheaper either. Uh, yeah. That's the thing, right? Like I think, I remember a few years ago, like you're talking about, and and you know you you're more familiar with than I am. Even a two dollar an hour salary in yep, the Philippines yep. was a good living, right? Like yep. like you could live well with that. And then now, like it's become so competitive that when you find better talent, you want to pay them five, seven, ten dollars an hour, mm -hmm. even in the Philippines, and that's a phenomenal salary there. Yep. So I think you have to find the talent and make sure you compensate them well and treat them right so that they don't leave you. Yeah, um, absolutely. No matter no matter where the the employee is based. Yep, yep. Now, before we get into the um, the Amazon and Helium Ten strategy, one more thing I want to talk about. You know, you talked about you know grossing you know tens of millions of dollars uh, on the platform over the last you know few years. And you know, I'm not sure if your if your wife is allowed to to hear this, but can you estimate how much you've spent on sports card <laughs> investing over the last couple of years? <laughs> I mean, oh, man. we can make sure she doesn't know about this episode if, if that's like, you know, secret. Yeah, don't, she knows that she knows everything. Uh, okay. So, yeah, there's no secrets uh, between us. And uh, obviously she's she's not the happiest with it. But um, as far as an investment standpoint, I've probably spent five to six hundred thousand dollars on sports cards in the last last year and a half to two years. Cool, cool. You know, we, we had the uh, me tool on here. He had a you know, we had a great episode talking about that and how how, how I got interested, you know, when I started seeing his posts and, and different things. And, um, it's, it's really fun, but it, you know, a lot of, you know, I always, I like talking about this kind of thing because sometimes Amazon sellers, you know, and I'm not talking about, Oh, once you hit Brandon's level of, of 10 million a year plus, you know, that now you need to start thinking about investing. I mean, Hey, you're making, uh, you know, a few thousand dollars a month. I mean, you're going to have some extra money. You know, what do you do with that money? That's always going to be a question no matter mm -hmm. what level you are. And some people want to do real estate. Some people want to do cryptocurrency. You know, some people want to just, you know, keep turning the money over. There's so many different things, but Hey, something that I don't hear too many people talk about. It's like that, you know, sports card is an interesting uh, 
market right now, what's the most expensive card you have ever sold from something uh, you had bought originally? Yeah, I had a one of one prism Josh Allen, the quarterback from the Bills, uh rookie, uh, that I bought for about six thousand and sold it for twenty or twenty twenty or twenty two thousand. Wow. Uh, right before the final playoff game, like the division series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the most expensive I've sold. Um, the rest I'm pretty much holding. <laughs> My, so from from an investment standpoint, I, I will say, and what you're talking about is is true. The majority of our money goes back into our businesses. Um, yep. You know, I think that to me, there's still no better investment opportunity than than investing in Amazon and and sure. an Amazon business and. But, you know, we, if you call it play money, investment money, uh, some money on the side that you want to, you know, put into different investments, all of those are good options, whatever you're passionate about. Uh, obviously, you and I and Mitul have uh, spoken, a couple of other guys, we've spoken in some private groups about like different investment opportunities and betting on players. You know, it's a gamble, like certain mm-hmm. players can go and blow their knee out. So yep. if anyone's listening, they've never invested in sports cards, do a lot of homework. I would recommend being uh, investing in sealed products. So they call it wax. Buy boxes of cards and don't open them if you can control yourself. I know that. That's super I know you hard, have guys. T- you you <laughs> have a problem with that, Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can, uh, put them away in, in a closet somewhere and forget about them. And they they usually will go up. And then uh, the the what they call the GOATs, the greatest of all time as an acronym, the GOATs, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. LeBron James, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, any of those guys, if you you know, are usually a safe investment. Well, yeah. All right, cool. Let's uh, switch over back to Amazon. Now, uh, before we get into helium 10 specific strategies, let's, let's just, you know, do some general things here. Like, uh, the law, you know, launch methodology for, for people, for myself, you know, has changed over the years. I mean, the general, uh, the general structure and the general idea is consistent. Hey, you're we're trying to get on page one. We're, we're trying to send some relevant traffic to, to certain keywords that that probably is never going to change the importance of getting to page one. But, but what happens that changes over time due to new regulations by Amazon or due to new technologies that come out is, is the way that people achieve that. So, so nowadays for your, for your brands and, and what you talk about with, uh, you know, your clients out there, do you have a set general launch strategy that you guys uh, adhere to? Yeah, we we try to keep as close to white hat as possible simply because we're trying to, you know, exit our brands eventually. Like so for us, our goal is much bigger than Amazon. Um it's we're trying, you know, a couple of our major brands we've kind of consolidated into um one conglomerate of brands. And so we're we're in a position where we're looking at B2B um wholesale. Uh we're doing some uh, direct to consumer um, as well. So, and we're looking at other marketplaces. So Amazon, although it's the foundation and what allowed us to grow, um, moving forward, our strategy is really about, uh, brand building. And so we don't want to be in a position that MPOW and, and, uh, yeah. Aki are in right now where they were about to go public and now they just got suspended from Amazon because they were cheating the entire time. Um, and if I don't know if anyone listening hadn't mm-hmm. heard about that, but two of the biggest brands on Amazon, you know, doing hundreds of millions um, of dollars on Amazon, you know, are now suspended and probably yep. not coming back like everyone because this is their second offense, right? Mm. Like time getting suspended. So 
Yeah, it catches up with you. And 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 I don't want to be either where I sell and then the next person's left holding the bag where when the account gets suspended, right? Like a lot of people, sure. there's different people that have different ethics and uh, they feel like they will cheat, steal, do whatever they need to in order to get to the top, make as much money as possible and you know, don't really care about the repercussions to the other yep. sellers around them. And then hurry up and sell the brand. And if, if it gets suspended six months after they sold it, they don't care, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I hope that a lot of these aggregators that are buying businesses are writing some kind of <laughs> clause in there that, that they're responsible at some point if it happens. But yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things. So for launches, you know, we, we understand the Amazon algorithm extremely well. We know exactly what Amazon's looking for with regards to their formula. Um, you know, they look at click-through rate, conversion rate. Uh, they look at the relevancy of the keyword to your product. And they look at your revenue through that keyword. And this is where it gets super complicated, is that every keyword impacts hundreds of other keywords based on the match type. And then you get different amount of credit based on that match type as well. So if you do one thing, there's only one event, one little thing, and you pull one little lever, it can influence hundreds of keywords. And if you know exactly what type of traffic to send from what location um, and, you know, using uh, what type of event, it can influence hundreds of keywords in a positive way and really help you rank very quickly. Uh, whether you stay there, I always, you know, I'm very careful about this. Whether you stay ranked well is 100% based on the merit of the product. If you have a good offer, a quality listing, a quality product, a quality offer, then you're going to have a better click-through rate and conversion rate than your competitors, and you're mm-hmm. going to stay there. Now, you know, if you're constantly having to run marketing and cheat your way to the top, then it's a short-term gain. It's not a real business, and you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, you know, the, the thing that pr- has the rules have changed probably the most over the last three, four years, I probably mean in, in the realm of reviews. And, and now for me nowadays, mm-hmm. just because of that one click rating, I mean, without having to do anything that special, you know, as far, you know, maybe an insert card, probably not, a, not even insert card. I don't, I've never even used an insert card uh, on, on mine that, that were, that had anything to do with reviews, but just with, you know, using like a follow up, something like Helium 10 follow up and, and just having a good product, you know, like I, I'm able to keep a pretty amazing review velocity uh, just because mm-hmm. of, uh, of those one click ratings. But what about you guys? What are you doing for those initial reviews and to keep a, a, a decent review velocity uh, in comparison to your competitors? Yeah, I mean, we're just doing the same thing you're talking about. I mean, we're we're just asking for reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're trying to build a large audience that is loyal to the brand and we're we're not telling them to leave a five-star review. We're not asking them and we're not compensating for it, but we are asking them to leave an honest review and we're hitting the button that, that sends the request, right? So yeah. we do have a really good insert card that we that we have that drives people through our website so that we can capture their information, try to make them part of a rewards program. And, you know, like I said, it's more of a brand uh, brand program that we're doing. So this is something that we're, if we're selling toys, for example, and we know that the person just bought a toy for a three-year-old girl, that's someone that's going to grow up for the next seven to 10 years buying toys for this little girl that we can cater to, that we can, uh, you know, that we can re-engage with when we have new toys for that girl, 
holidays, birthdays, things like that. So we're taking it really from an approach of, um, look, if you love our products, then please tell, <laughs> tell the people on Amazon that, right? And, 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 hey, you love the previous product. How about this one at 25% off? Here's a coupon. And if you like that one, please leave a review. And so those, those types of holistic approach are, are, you know, definitely not against terms of service. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, but they're, they're effective as well. And, and so we're trying to do it more from that way instead of black hat way. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you have an insert card template that has worked for you that you would be willing to to share with people and, and maybe get your name permanently etched into the Helium 10 suite of tools? <laughs> kind uh, of like I, naming a library at your alma mater after yourself. <laughs> I think you already have one of my email follow-ups from years ago. I don't know if it's still good, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we have that one. But but that can, one, I think those went away because uh, yeah. of the rules that changed. But here's a way to get back into it. Like we have, you know, the in follow-up, in portals actually, the ability to, to, to make insert card templates and stuff. But yeah, if, if you'd be down, I'll connect you with our, our, um, our product manager. Now everybody listening to this show, you know, check back in a few weeks and maybe you'll be able to get the Brandon young, um, the Brandon young special, or we'll have to come up with a name for it. <laughs> we could talk about it. What's amazing though, is that, uh, two years ago, Americans had no idea how to use a QR code. And I think that, um, uh, they're finally figuring it out yep. everywhere you go. You see QR codes everywhere. So I think, uh, we're a little slow here in the U S but uh, they're definitely more effective than they used to be on, on, on cards. All right, guys, quick break in this episode for the BTS. Bradley's 30 seconds. Here is my 30 second tip. We've been talking about Cerebro a little bit in this episode and, and a, a kind of new filter that, that has been flying under the radar. I'm not sure people have seen is whenever you get into Magnet and Cerebro and you have some search results, there's a new column you're going to see called search volume trend. And it's basically going to tell you how much the search volume has increased or decreased in the last 30 days. And sometimes you can see some trending keywords there that, you know, might have you dive into see if there's some kind of new sub niche that is trending. What you can do whenever you have search result pages on Magnet or Cerebro is use the advanced filter of search volume trend and do like a minimum of 100 or 200 or 500 if you want to. And what's going to happen is you're going to see some keywords that are just skyrocketing in search volume over the last 30 days. And that might lead you down a nice trail for some product research as well. What about PPC in general? You know, like, are are you of the uh, philosophy to start from day one, your PPC on launch, even without any reviews? Do you wait for reviews? Do you, you know, which campaign, which kind of campaigns do you start uh, from, from the get go, stuff like that? So our approach with PPC is, uh, is, is pretty much to always focus on a keyword ranking perspective and profitability perspective. And so for launch, the most important thing for us at launch with PPC is indexing. Um, we've seen many times when Amazon is confused as to what you're selling. And remember that relevancy is one of the most important things for keyword ranks. If Amazon doesn't think you're selling a product that's relevant for a keyword, you'll never be able to rank well for it. This is how they protect uh, and keep their search results clean and improve the buyer experience, right? So for us, when we first launch, we're doing a product targeting campaign and uh, we're doing some, uh, only targeting the most successful uh, competitors that we know are indexed well. 
and we're doing a bunch of exact uh, campaigns that are targeting the most relevant keywords that we have. So when we take that Helium 10 data out of Cerebro and we look at the top 10 competitors and then we create that relevancy column that we create so that we can narrow out the thousands of keywords that aren't relevant, we're only going to look at the keywords that are super relevant and we're going to run exact campaigns at those because we want no doubt in Amazon's mind what we're selling. Mm -hmm. And we'll run that for the first few days until we get our first review and then we'll start turning on the broad, the automatic campaigns that allow Amazon to be creative based on their understanding of what you're selling. Um, if you start with an automatic campaign, it's very dangerous uh, because, again, Amazon doesn't know what you're selling, so they're just going to throw a bunch of stuff yep. at the wall. And if you make a sale or two through the wrong keywords, Amazon's going to get even more confused. So we don't recommend uh, usually doing broad or automatic from the beginning. Now, video ads targeting relevant keywords, exact campaigns targeting keywords, and uh, product targeting are usually the best bet for the first three to five days. Okay, cool, cool, like it. All right, let, let's uh, go a little bit more narrow now and just talk about some some Helium 10 strategy. And I think the the tool that that you know you mentioned at the beginning that you're most known for unique use is is Cerebro. So you know you don't have to give all your 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 private secrets away here. What are some things that you can share about? some of the unique ways that you use Cerebro for your, your own company and, and your students? Yeah, I, I absolutely love Cerebro and, and the, the information it gives you. Uh, if anyone listening doesn't know, which they all should, um, this is your podcast. But basically what Cerebro does for you is it takes a, a given competitor and their unique ID, which is an ASIN, and it does a reverse ASIN. Uh, search. So it understands all of the keywords that a given uh, product is indexed for. Now, the key is that uh, Amazon will index you for thousands of keywords, but only a few of those will actually generate sales for the product you have. There only a few of them are relevant and will drive actual, you know, revenue or sales. So the 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 key is that what we're trying to do is figure out, okay, what are all of the keywords that can generate sales for a product so that we can try to rank for all of them. We want to go very wide. We want to have a, you know, a very optimized listing. And so what you'll find is that even if you look at the best sellers, a lot of times they're only indexed for 50, 60, 70% of the potential search volume of relevant keywords uh, that could drive sales for a product. And you ask yourself, well, how could that be? Well, it's because they didn't do the proper keyword research and optimization and data analysis ahead of time that we do. So here's what we do. We take the top 10 sellers of a product, we put it into Cerebro, uh, and we hit, you know, get keywords. And what ends up happening is you're going to get 10,000, 15, 20,000 keywords. Again, all of them are not relevant. Very few of them are. We pull the data out and then... We, uh, what that does is it gives you a column where it has all of those keywords and the individual ranks on each of those keywords for each of the sellers. And we will use a formula that will count the number of keyword, the number of competitors that are ranked in the top page, top two pages for a keyword. And very, from a logic standpoint, this is why we do that. The more competitors that are ranked well for a keyword, the more relevant it likely is, right? And so it's just a very simple logic. And what ends up happening is all of the keywords that are relevant end up coming to the top. We can sort by relevancy at that point, And we end up with 
a good percentage of all the keywords, pretty much 90, 95% of the entire market is now visible to us. And then we can see how good of a job all the competitors are doing. So this helps us choose whether to do a product or not. It helps us understand how competitive a market is or how risky a product is or uh, how much opportunity there is to do a product. So we're, we're going to now look at that list and we're going to avoid products that don't have a lot of keywords that generate sales for that product, because that means that anyone can guess and compete with you. Anyone can come in later and beat you. What we're also going to do, though, is we're going to avoid products where most of the sellers are ranked for most of the keywords that are ranked well for most of the keywords. It means that there isn't much to improve upon as from a keyword a ranking perspective. It means that it's very saturated. It's very competitive. It's higher risk. And we want to find products that are lower risk so that we have the best opportunities to, to succeed and rank on a product. And so this data from, from, from Cerebro is, is invaluable to what we do. We can then take that same information that we found with this Cerebro search and we can optimize our listing. We can find the most, the keywords with the most search volume, with the most relevancy, and we can, you know, go back into Scribbles, the other tool that you guys have for writing your listing, and we can write the listing effectively and, uh, and, and basically make sure that we're impacting the most number of keywords with the position we put each keyword in our listing. Uh, so yeah, the, this is why Cerebro is probably my favorite tool of any tool we use in our Amazon business, because it gives us the most data, the most information, whether to even do a product, how many to order, how to build our listing, how to do our PPC, all of that comes from that data. I love it. I love it. What, what, what are some of the, the, the ways you use scribbles now to actually, I mean, it doesn't have to just necessarily be about scribbles. I'm just talking in general about listing optimization. So, so you've pulled, you know, these, these most important keywords, uh, are you, are you still doing like the old days where, you know, we try and focus on the title, possibly the search terms. Do you, do you repeat anything in different fields? Like, obviously it's never been good to repeat, you know, you don't have the same keyword twice in search terms or the same keyword twice in the same bullet point or things like that. What are some general listing optimization, not necessarily hacks, but, but strategies you can share? Yeah. So for us, it comes down to understanding roots, what we call roots. So like you said, the same keyword will re be repeated many times in many different keywords. It's, it's inevitable that you're going to repeat mm -hmm. things. But that also means that um, one keyword, if you're driving sales or rev like different events to it when you're launching, like we were talking about earlier, it means that that one keyword will impact many other keywords based on the match type. And the match type could be a broad match, a phrase match, a plural match, an exact match. So each of those different match types give you a, a certain amount of credit for ranking juice and the position of the keyword in your how where you build it into your listing gives you even more ranking juice so yeah what we do then with that same master keyword list is that we do searches for different routes that we're seeing repeated and we're understanding how much search volume each route carries with it and how important it is so that we can determine where to build it into our listing so that we can have the most optimized listing that will generate the most rank for the most search volume and generate the most sales for us. Awesome, awesome. What other strategy can, can we talk about? You know, we usually have something on the show we call the TST, the 30 second tip, but uh, let, let's just do some kind of rapid fire. You don't have to keep it at, at 30 seconds, could be up to two minutes, whatever you want, but what are some other strategies that, that are you think are maybe, like maybe easy wins because you know, Kevin King, you know, talks about this, you know, Kevin King always has hacks, but, but he'll, he'll <laughs> tell people, Hey, you know, 
you can't build a business on 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 just like hacks that might not work after three or four or four months or something. You know, you got to build your business on long term strategies. Uh, so so what are some of these these easy win strategies you think that uh, you, you don't see a lot of people using, but they should be? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of people just don't do the product selection with enough data and enough research. Um, I don't, I don't know that there's a particular hack. Like, like I, Kevin is full of hacks, and I love Kevin. He's he's amazing, um, and what he teaches is awesome. But um, I think he's right. You you really need to understand how to do this business from start to finish at a high level. Uh, a lot of people come in and they tell you, you know. You don't need to buy a course. You can find what you need to online and on YouTube and you end up watching a bunch of outdated information. You choose the wrong product and you're just dead in the water from the beginning because you didn't even know what data to look at, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think the the key is learn how to use Helium 10 in, like effectively. Learn how to look at the keyword data. Look, Learn how to understand how your competitors are getting their sales. If you can answer the question, there's two. there's two big things that I would say. The main question you need to answer is how are my competitors getting their sales? Um, and the other part is that you always need to understand that you can't create demand on Amazon. Yep. yep. So, so if you work within the confines of what's already being searched on Amazon and you understand how your competitors are getting their sales, then you can understand whether they're doing a good job meeting the demand. And if they're not doing a good job meeting the demand, then that delta represents opportunity for you. What, what, let's talk about that for a quick second. You know, whether you're using black box to, to find product opportunity or just in, in other places, what are some characteristics that go both ways? What are some characteristics of either keywords or products uh, in a niche where it gets you excited? Like, hey, this might be opportunity or conversely, you you land upon something and then you see some characteristics after d diving into it. Like, you know what? This is a, a, a sign that I need to stay away. Yeah. Yeah, we use black box quite a bit. We also, you know, we just explore, um, you know, we get a lot of ideas thrown at us from the factories that we deal with, the showrooms and things like that. So here, here's one of the traps that I see happen a lot. When we pull a master, what we call the master keyword list, all that data from Cerebro that we end up cleaning up and adding a bunch of data to and everything, or a bunch of information to that relevancy score, we'll notice that one competitor is selling 3,000 units a month, for example. And then the next guys, the next sellers are only selling 500 units a month. Mm -hmm. The trap that I see a lot of sellers falling into is that they think they can duplicate what the best one is selling without understanding how they're getting their sales. Remember, you have to answer that question. How is my competitor getting their sales? Yeah. And if you look at the, the, the reverse ASIN or that, that Cerebro uh, of that seller, like where is that seller ranked well for? You might find that it's a very generic keyword like, toys for four-year-old girls. Lots of search volume generates a lot of uh, revenue for them, but it's not easily duplicatable. Mm. It's not going to be something that you're going to launch a product for and rank well for right away. It's something that you've got to build up for over a period of time and you've got to target it and you've got to really, you might never rank well for it. You know, that competitor just is doing well from there. So the, the trap and word I would say is that understand realistically what keywords you can rank for understand how many sales those keywords should generate and then avoid the trap of ordering too few or too many units running out of stock um getting into a product that's far more competitive than it originally looked 
because of, you know, the fact that one or two guys were doing great and you thought you could do as well as them. So understanding again, like, you know, it all comes down to the data for us. And and we see a lot of traps that we can avoid once we understand more about, you know, really digging into that data. Okay, cool. What is your, you know, general things that you guys are doing consistently to try and drive, if anything, you know, outside traffic, you know, are you, are you building up your, your brands, uh, you know, social media pages and just sending traffic from there? Or do you have, you know, you're doing press releases or, or you, you sending out social share links? What, what kind of things have been working for you? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is all newer for us and stuff that we've, we've been building up over time. So, um, when you run ads, the most important thing for people to know, because they might not be in a position where, you know, PR really is where they want to do or some, everyone has their own approach. Running campaigns with influencers is one way, uh, but that's very short lived, right? If you do something with someone on Instagram, it's only going to last a few days, right? Um, So one thing that I would say a good tip for people listening is that if you're running ads, whether it's on any social media platform, Facebook, um, you know, Google even, or uh, Bing, uh, Pinterest, wherever you're running ads, right? People are going to end up going to Amazon and searching for that product based on seeing your ad because they don't trust maybe your landing page. They don't trust you your ad. Yep. But you will get a certain amount of spillover traffic to Amazon that can positively impact uh, your rank. And so... Uh, just know that that extra traffic will be the result of what you're doing. And so you, it's hard to make it. Sometimes it's difficult to understand the true return on ad spend because that extra attribution traffic. But what I'll say is this. If you're tracking your own products and you, uh, you do a reverse search on your own products, you will see that your uh, branded search terms will actually go up. So it'll be your brand name with the product you're selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and those search, the search volume of those will go up the more ads you're running off of Amazon. So the important part is that you know, um, you know, that you're trying to, that you have a reason to be generating outside traffic. So whether it's for ranking launches or for, um, you know, just, just for, you know, profitability, uh, just to build a list, uh, you know, there's different reasons that you might want to run outside traffic. So there's different strategies. But understand what that strategy is. Don't just throw a bunch of money away running ads for no reason. Understand how to execute that strategy properly. And then remember to take a look at that bump in sales and search volume and try to attribute it to the sales as well so that you can understand your true return on ad spend. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Brandon, for for joining us here. Now, I I know we've only scratched the uh, surface of your your knowledge out there and you've got plenty more to offer. So if people want to, you know, hit you up and and maybe... uh, reach out to see about your, your coaching or, or the different programs that you have where you, where you educate, you know, people out there uh, on some of the stuff that we've been talking about, how can they find you on the interwebs? Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I've got a bunch of free content on YouTube. You can just search my name and Amazon, uh, seller systems.com, uh, is my website. And I've got a Facebook group, uh, seller systems, uh, succeeding on Amazon. All of those are great ways you can, DM me on Instagram if you have any questions. It's uh, brandon.young underscore Amazon. Uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a accessible. I appreciate uh, that. We have, we have master classes on how we do the master keyword list like that we were talking about in the show. And then we have everything up to uh, our inner circle mastermind and full college course 
Uh, we've got about a thousand students, uh, over 250 of them are doing seven and eight figures. And, uh, you know, it's a great community. So always uh, appreciate having me on. All right, cool. Thank you for coming again. And we might have something where you'll be involved with uh, Helium 10 later on this year. Can't t- speak too much about <laughs> it, but it's uh, going to be pretty exciting, guys. So, so stay tuned for that. Brandon, we'll, we'll uh, hit you up in a year or two again to, to see where you're at. Let's see if you, uh, who knows, maybe you'll be at the 30 million mark by then. Let's do it. All right, we'll talk to you later.